Welcome to Apple at Work. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host as always. This week, I have an old friend back on the show to talk about some uh, things happening in K-12. I've got Alcir from Mosul. Welcome back to the show, Alcir. Thank you, Bradley. It's great to be back here. Thanks for having me. You know, K-12 is in this, like, always in the top of mind for me because my background. But one of the things that I've often thought about K-12 is it's almost like a where some things are, like, tested in, in, in the world. And so I wanted to kind of talk about some of the trends that are happening in K-12 right now. Um, and, you know, the first thing I want to talk about is, you know, from y'all's perspective, how is the iPad doing in K-12 right now with the, you know, we've seen, you know, two plus years of Apple Silicon Max. You know, what do you all see? Yeah, uh, K-12 is also very, very important to me and, and, and Mozo. Uh, I as I believe the majority of our customers know that's where we started. So K12 actually helped us to understand everything about managing and deploying Apple device in large scale. And that's a very good, uh, uh, it was a very good experience for us. So we, we have a, a strong uh, passion about understanding K12 workflows and how schools are using uh, Apple device and how that is evolving. Um, and yeah, I believe we continue to see a really strong adoption uh, on both device so we see lower grades using more and more ipad uh that is actually coming down to even like uh, super uh, early stage usage so like the, the cart for uh, a kindergarten things like that are becoming way stronger and what i can see now is basically all schools they do have those mobile carts serving different class and everyone is using the ipad and somehow what's amazing and as uh, uh students grow and they start to have uh, more complex needs or, or using the device to build more content, then the Mac is, is, is taking care of that need really, really well. So we see a, a really nice transition when iPad will handle the initial grades and then the Mac will come and, and give that sense of continuation. Because like all Apple ID is the same, uh, like moving content, uh, it's very easy. Everything is there. The apps are the same. So kids will just navigate from this, this transition from the, the, the iPad to the Mac really well. And then we see uh, high school using Macs in a very strong manner. I think one of the things I'm hearing from peers in the industry is... You've seen this convergence. So, like backing up, you, when the iPad first launched, it was you know this revolutionary price of four ninety nine, um, and then this was a time when the Mac was still you know your lowest end Mac was still like at nine ninety nine, and that was even one of those Macs that it, they sold it for nine ninety nine, but like you shouldn't buy the nine ninety nine model. Uh, you know this is, probably, this is back when I think when they probably still sold two gigs of RAM, if maximum yeah. maybe it was even four, um, but then. You know, over the years, like, you know, you saw the iPad lineup, you know, evolve. And and, and so, you know, the iPad was original. Like, hey, this is a $500 computer. And I think what a lot of IT professionals, the, the goal was like trying to shoehorn the iPad in places where like it wasn't the best device for the tool like, or the need. And, and recognizing like, let the iPad be the iPad and let the Mac be the Mac. Um and I, and I think what's I've seen over the past couple of years that the iPad lineup has kind of you know it's grown a little bit again you still have your low end but then that's really not meant to be used as a true desktop replacement again you know, the lowest end iPad uh, maybe doesn't work with the smart keyboard the magic keyboard that has the mouse integration which I think is really cool you know when you get to that level of iPad you look at that kind of investment 
and then you on the flip side, so like that iPad has gone up in price in some ways. You know, again, the the, the keyboard's expensive. Um, but then on the flip side, like what I, I I think I'm so amazed at is how great the Apple Silicon Macs are, especially on the low end, because we really are at a time when I could look someone straight in the eye and say, if they say like, hey, what's the I need, I need the lowest cost computer, I would say find the stock M1 MacBook Air. And just buy it. That's a great computer. In fact, I'm still using that computer uh, day to day. I mean, mine's got a few upgrades, but like it is such a great computer for the for the money, and it's still functional. And it, and so I think what what has happened is Apple has gotten the lower end Mac to a place where like you could deploy that to an entire school. And in fact, if you're buying it in bulk, you could probably get it for seven ninety nine, eight ninety nine, and, and that price point. And it really becomes an incredible computer uh, that could, if, if it wasn't for battery life, you could probably use for five years easily. So this is, I think, so I'll say all that to say, I think what where we're at today is you now are basing the your device decision not on the price point, but like, what are you trying to do? And so like you, you deploy the iPad where it makes sense to use the iPad and you deploy the Mac where it makes sense to use the Mac. Yeah, you're right. And and when we look at education, it's even better. Uh, we're talking about the price of the entry-level MacBook. And if I'm not wrong, education should be like 899 for a silicone mm-hmm. MacBook Air. That is phenomenal. It's a, it's a device that will deliver a lot today. Uh, when you look to the model uh, normally used by schools, uh, the leasing is getting more and more and more common. So really schools are trying to look to that uh, 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 option where they can use the device as much as possible and still uh, get something out of that at the end of the expected periods. And if you look to what M1 can deliver today, uh, and if you look to a leasing of like between three and five years, there is a high level of confidence that at the end of the life of that device, the device is still delivering way more than what students at high school mm-hmm. will need. So this is definitely making, and, and, and we can see that a lot right now uh, schools uh, replacing other platforms uh, by the M1 Mac really with this expectation of using that on the long term and we see that on, on our offer like we, we see how customers want to match the subscription for the MDM and our services with the expected uh, lifetime of that device uh, and it's really clear that everyone has a, a, a strong level of confidence that M1 would be a device that will serve well with students on the long term. Uh, and I, I believe at the end of the day, that would just continue to reinforce Apple on education. It's a very strong market for education, but I really see since the M1, the Mac gaining a lot of traction there and way more refreshes and new, new, new device coming. So it's it's amazing. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Collide. Collide has some big news. If you're an Octo user, they can get your entire fleet to 100% compliance. How? Well, if a device isn't compliant, the user cannot log into your cloud apps until they fix the problem. It's that simple. Collide patches one of the major holes in your zero-trust architecture, device compliance. Without Collide, IT teams struggle to solve the basic problem of keeping everyone's operating systems and their browsers up to date. Unsecured devices are logging into your company's apps every day because there's almost nothing you can do about it. Well, if you have Collide, you have the solution. Collide is the only device trust solution that enforces compliance as part of the authentication login. It's built to work seamlessly with Okta. The moment Clyde's agent detects a problem, it alerts the users and gives them instructions to fix it. They don't fix the problem within a set amount of time, they're blocked. It's that simple. 
Collide's method means fewer support tickets, less frustration for end users and IT teams, and more importantly, your fleet is 100% compliant. Visit collide.com slash Apple at work to learn more and to book a demo. That's C-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple at work. Thanks again to Collide for sponsoring Apple at work this week. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. Now, one of the things that we saw this past upgrade cycle was Apple's new rapid security updates. Um, and, and when I sat and thought about this, and I, and I thought, was thinking, like, how does this impact like a K twelve admin? Um, and I, I think what I come to is like this is getting the Mac closer to the Chromebook in terms of like speed of updates, and in some ways even faster because to, you know to update a Chromebook, you did have to reboot it, and it was a super fast reboot, but you're getting to this like almost like stateless model of computing to where like it just, it, uh, you know, more and more of the security updates are happening without requiring a reboot. And again, requiring a reboot isn't that big of a deal, but we all know what happens like in, from a security perspective, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. when you see the update to Microsoft office, it's like, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. Um, And then tomorrow never comes. And, And so I think this, this idea of, you know, security updates can happen without the end user needing to stop working. Um, I think it's particularly attractive for K-12 because, again, you think of like students and teachers and you have this limited window. Um, have you all heard any you know insight from from customers about, you know, that customers are excited about this or what do you think? Yes, uh, you touch a very important point there. And yes, I believe the disruption on the user side is something to consider, but there is something else, in my opinion, that it's even more critical there. So especially when we look to K-12, to uh, there is way more being used on that device, on that Mac, than like standard Word, Excel, Keynote, whatever solutions. Uh, and a lot of those solutions is designed for testing or, or things like that. They are not updated as often as we would like them to be. So it's very common to have customers holding for software, uh, major ass updates because of those solutions that are very, very critical. And when those updates are actually also bringing security updates, then we are actually creating a, a security issue because of software uh, that's not compatible. So when you start to split the two and you give schools the ability to really push almost real time all the security patches, the security updates and the fixes without having to create not only the disruption, the disruption to the end user, but also not having to create any risk in terms of uh, 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 the other critical software that school needs on the day-to-day, especially testing tools, it it will and is, is already uh, uh, allowing IT admins to be way more uh, 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 efficient in terms of forcing security and making device education way safer. So for me, uh, it was a major thing when we look in terms of uh, security. We know that number one thing that we all can do to keep our device safe is a updating our device, upgrading our device all the time. Uh, so creating ways to separate what is uh, features, new release from security that's not should not be optional. I, I don't believe there is any reason to say, hey, I, I want to keep my device unsafe. I don't want to dispatch. Right. So when you split that and you give the users the autom- autonomy to run one, regardless of the other, uh, that is a huge point, and I, I don't know if uh, the, the regular consumer can understand that, but definitely when we look at business and education, it was a huge improvement, and we're really happy with that. I, I hadn't thought about it that way, separating the idea that no one wants their devices to be unsafe, but there are times when you're like, I don't, I don't care about new features. I don't want to disrupt workflows. 
And so by separating, huh, separating updates, one is security and one is in, uh, enhancements. Huh, that's something I'm going to have to think on because that that is an interesting model. Of It's almost like features become a little bit of like an app store. It's like, um, I don't want the new version of mail. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want the old version. Like I For want some reason the, that I don't know. Right. Like, Maybe you're using a plug-in that does. Yeah. And that used to bug me in the past a lot, Bradley. So I do remember uh, before uh, the, the MDM uh, uh, commands and, and features that allow us to hold on software updates for a while, uh, if you remember, that was not there five, six years ago. Uh, that was the main uh, request for customers every year, especially on, on, on the, the major uh, versions. And I was like, hey, why did they don't want to use the newer version is great. There's more things. And we, we start to understand like all those critical apps that are using and how, uh, uh, slow is the, the update process for those solutions, uh, and how they do not keep uh, the, the solution compatible. And it, in some moments, not even because they don't want to. In some moments, uh, when you look to testing solutions, uh, those solutions need to be validated and somehow to make the tests, uh, uh, valid in terms of using that technology so sounds like the process for them to release a new version and prove that the controls are in place and everything is in place to create that safe environment for testing takes a little bit more time uh, so giving schools this opportunity to really handle security and feature updates in a separate way for me was huge and I believe that was a big win for Apple and all Apple customers yeah that's I had not heard it framed that way before, so I will. I'm going to need to. I'm going to need to think on that. And <laughs> that's, that's good. Inter- that's that's uh, because it makes sense. I mean, if you really strip away, like, like why people like I don't want to do that update. It, it's the. It, it's sort of like how you see, like, if you only see technology as a tool, when things change, you're like, well, this is different now, and it's like I have to relearn things. I liked it the old way. That's not them saying, like, I don't want the security updates. That's them saying, like, I just want it to work like I'm used to. Now, on the flip side, like, you can't go 10 years and, like, never do a new – like, you know, things do have to evolve. But they the, – the feature things evolve – should evolve slower than the security updates. Like, you could even make the argument, like, security updates could be applied every three days, every day, once a day. I mean, you think about – I mean, if they're – like, websites often are patched every single day. Like, you know, it's like you deploy a new version of this, new version of that, new plug-in. Mm-hmm. That's. I believe this is where we are going. If you see the difference between like the endpoint model where the software is installed on the device uh, and the cloud model. Uh, so this is basically one of the reasons of like the on-prem solutions and now mm-hmm. this new SaaS model is really making sure you can deploy uh, especially secured updates in real time for all customers. So uh, it's different when we look to the endpoint, but I do believe uh, more and more work has been done to make them closer and creating tools for distributed uh, devices to behave more like uh, cloud devices. Uh, and I believe you touched that point really well when you start talking about uh, the Chromebooks. The Chromebook, basically, it's a, it's a browser. So you have way more of the cloud uh, side running on that device. So that that's much, much easier to run updates. But I believe all those improvements being made on, on especially on the secured updates uh, on Apple devices is creating a really g- good and similar experience and, and giving Apple a lot of tools to make sure the device continue to be safe. 
Yeah, that because yeah, that the more the, the easier the the Apple devices are to manage as an endpoint, the more attractive it is to IT professionals, and that's good for yeah. Apple. That's yeah, that's not thought of it that way. I want to I'm think on that some more. Um, last thing I want to talk about is Wi-Fi six E. Uh, this is you know, really starting to come to the product line. Um, you, you've got a couple of iPads that support it now. You're seeing the latest MacBook Pros support now, the latest Mac Mini. So this is really a new, this is clearly coming. And, and so for our listeners that don't know, like what makes Wi-Fi 6 e different than, um, than you know, Wi-Fi 6? So like Wi-Fi 6E happens on a completely new band of RF spectrum than, than previously. So before, you, you know, you've got 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. And so, you know, Apple devices, they, they were on a shared medium. Well, so it's, it, think of it like as a highway and you are just sharing traffic with every other device that uses these frequencies. Well, Wi-Fi 6E um, takes place on an entirely new frequency. So the thing to think of is like imagine if your car got, got its own brand new highway. You, know, you can just do faster things. There's less interference. Um, do, or do you think you'll see, you know, particularly in K-12, because, again, this is where you mm-hmm. see these high-density, high-throughput deployments. Do you mm-hmm. think once this really permeates down to the entire lineup, you see customers, like, rapidly upgrading their Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi 6E? Yeah, so I I wish I could expect everyone to do that. Uh, definitely when we talk about uh, network infrastructure for schools, mainly it's a, it's always a big topic. Uh, we, we 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 normally like when we don't go uh, in a more technical detail, uh, we, we try to think about the quality of our internet, just the bandwidth we hire from our ISP. So hey, I have this much I should be good and everyone forgets that that is being delivered to an infrastructure that should support that. So uh, when we are especially in deployment moments at schools back to school where you're refreshing device or preparing a lot of device or installing at the same time really uh, uh, heavy apps uh, that creates a, 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 a really important load on a network and that normally becomes uh, an issue for the deployment so uh, new technologies that will will help the local network to be more powerful faster uh, and, and accommodate more devices it's it's extremely relevant for the k12 space on the other side uh, we also know that infrastructure in k12 it's a very expensive thing uh, when you look to districts with like tens of or even hundreds of schools and different buildings uh, updating uh, all of that is like a multi-million dollar project that uh, normally needs a lot of board approvals like funds and time to be to be implemented so uh, i i wish we could have an expectation of see uh, wi-fi 6 being more common in, in schools on the short term. I don't believe we'll see that on the short term. I believe it's more on medium term, but uh, I, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to, to, to start to have customers running more of those powerful networks. And that will probably make the life of our deployments uh, uh, much better and, and, and experience for teachers and, and students during the class time uh, much better as well. Yeah, less troubleshooting for the IT admin. And for us as well, there's a lot we need to do. They're like, hey, this app's not installing or it's taking longer to install. And then we go to understand and yes, you had, I don't know, 10 apps uh, with like more than six 
gigabyte of data mm-hmm. per device, push it to 35,000 devices at the same time. Uh, so that's a lot of data. And yeah. I, I don't believe customers make that math ever. This is so important that at some time uh, on our install app profile, because you can bundle different apps on our install app profile, and then you can assign to the device. So we add a, a, a box where we tell customers the amount of data that will probably impact the network if when you click save there. Because they don't make the math. Say, hey, you are assigning yeah. 30,000 devices here yeah. and you are having those 50 apps, like large apps, just helping you with the data here so you can understand what that means. And those numbers are huge. Uh, right. So everything we can we can do to to improve the quality of the network at schools is it's very very important that that's one of those where you really if you're an IT admin not that you want to like use the bandwidth of your parents but like of your school families but it's like if you're going to push an app that has is a gig to everybody maybe push that at eight o'clock at night. Um, you know, yeah, of course, you know, that's the thing, you know, you, you do that math, even like updates. Like if you have an app that has a big update, like you can, you can really push the constraints of, of an ISP. Um, again, you know, there's obviously some things you can do to cache things yeah, locally, yeah, yeah, but, sure. um, but like, I, I although the, those specs are there, I, you always wonder like, is that working? Like, is that just, well, think about know, the like, caching as well. The caching, it's saving bandwidth. Like it's not necessarily protecting our local network. True. The data well, true, is still it's... going through on the lo- local network. So this is another misconception. People just put a caching server there, put a Mac Mini to cache, and say, "Hey, I have no, I should not have no problem because I'm caching." I say, "Yeah, you just forgot that that data is still going it's through. Got, it's still going to go. Yeah. You're not having to download it." 300,000 times from But you ISP. need to distribute internally 300 times yeah, in you, the same way. Yeah, it's still like that data. And then honestly, if you, you know, if you've got like one Mac mini caching server at a school with 10,000 people, like <laughs> I, I don't, like, I don't that, know what to yeah. tell you. Like that's that you do run into like, if this is math, like do yeah. the math and that's not, not easy. Um, so last, last thing, like we're talking about like at home stuff. Mm-hmm. How are you like, this was a problem for many, many years. There was like no good way for, mm-hmm schools to really enable families to protect the devices when they're at home. Um, and I, I, I know there are a number of solutions on the market. Do you think that's, so that problem has been solved now with, with a lot of the, I know you all offer a, mm-hmm. um, a DNS based solution that, that you really locks the device to a, a really well protected DNS server. Um, do you feel like this is a solved problem now for it admins? Yeah, I do feel, I believe uh, when we start to have more one-to-one deployments and then uh, when when schools start to give kids a device that they could bring home and those kids start to get home with that device that create a lot of questions uh what i really understand parents now uh, don't control that device uh, the device is given to the kid in a legit manner like hey you need this device to stud now so the old idea that hey give me all your device turn off the tv and go do homework that disappeared now homework is made mm-hmm. inside of that device right so that create a lot of uh, uh, uh questions from parents initially about hey is is this like how do i know if kids are really doing what they should be doing how you're protecting my kids how i make sure they're not doing something wrong on a device when they're at home specifically and a lot of that, especially on the internet side, was 
connect with where schools were implementing filtering, and they were normally doing that on the local network. So, okay, great. I am the school. I'm giving this device to, to, to students. And when they are on my network, I'm filtering them. I know they're not doing anything wrong, but as soon as they go home, that disappears. But that's still a device that was provided by the school and it's still necessary for all the school activities and the kids are expected to use that at home. So, uh, that creates some questions and I believe uh, different providers, including us, we could solve that uh, moving the filtering to the device itself. And I believe Apple did a phenomenal work at the same time as well. And they were very aware of this question and create tools for, for, for solutions like our uh, encrypted DNS solution to really run correctly on the Apple endpoint giving that balance between privacy and and security right mm-hmm. and the, the, uh, we want to protect kids but we really don't want schools to have any information about what's happening on 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 the, the home network so uh i do believe today that's not a problem anymore i believe there are different solutions to do that not only on the internet or content filtering layer, but also on the device layer, uh, we also run an app for parents where parents can define uh, if the device will actually be available during an interval or which apps will be available during that interval. So mm-hmm. uh, when when it's, it's out of school time, we give to parents a lot of the most relevant controls we also give to schools and they can manage that at a home. And, and since we introduced that and, and since we start to see uh, our solution and several other solutions also extending the future and the device layer, not on the network layer, uh, we, we, we start to see a decrease on, in questions from, from schools uh, or, or, or complaints from parents. Like in the end of the day, when there is like a, a more, general complaint from parents that end up coming to us say, hey, parents are asking for that, how we give them that. Uh, and, and it's quite some time that we don't see anything relevant coming. So yeah, I, I, I believe it's safe to say that we are in a much better place in terms of uh, keeping the device safe at home. It's really the same kind of conversation that we had about the, um, the installing the apps. It's like you don't want to make it to where you relying on one single filter to cover it. And I think it's still important to, to, you know, schools that when on site have those, but not like, it's almost like a secondary solution. Um, uh, Cause you're going to have a firewall in place anyways, but uh, you know, you make it where you're putting, you're not putting so much pressure on one thing to do all the filtering. I mean, cause that can just from a throughput perspective, that's challenging. So if you push that down to the device, you're kind of, you know, decentralizing your your content filtering and then you get the benefit of it working anywhere and that's the same thing a lot of IT professionals mm-hmm. in like corporate enterprise are dealing mm-hmm. with like you you know when everybody was in the office like you had the firewall and that's that it did its thing and then like now you don't because they're either they're either hybrid or they're fully remote and so you have to push that endpoint security and content filtering down to the device level but again you do get the flexibility then again decentralized you know the, you know if you have one, if you're IS, you know, if you're trying to say tunnel that all that back to the corporate data center, if you have a hiccup there, everybody's done. But I think DNS is, especially if you can really lock the devices to a particular DNS, DNS is really the way to do that because again, it decentralizes that, that filtering down to the device, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you know, with those you know, DNS servers. So now I think, and I think one it's great benefit, to see that, yeah, one benefit now is so like 
the tools we have available, especially for Apple device, let us implement uh, a, a really intelligent layer on the device that we can actually shift to like where the filtering is being done. So uh, I can easily go and say, hey, if you are on this local network, I know it's a protect network. Great. I will not do anything. But as soon as you get out of this network, then I will assume the filtering here. So you don't even need to force an overlap. You can kind of create a strategy where uh, the best solution will handle filtering depending where the, the student is at that time. No, and, and again, that's, that, again, you think about um, how you would do that like from a security perspective. When a student is at a coffee shop or an employee is at a coffee shop, um, then you can you don't have to worry as much about like what's happening on that network because you, again, you, you you sort of assume things are not safe in a way. Um, no, that's 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 great to see that solved. Yeah. Um, hey, this has been a great conversation. It sounds like things are going great in K twelve. I you know it'll be interesting to see a couple of years from now if people are still using the M one MacBook Air because I suspect they might. Maybe Apple will keep that around and get it down even further in price. Uh, Alcira, thanks for coming on the show today. Sure. I, I know um, things are. Thanks Things are always, uh, you know, happening at Mosul, and it's uh, you all have, have had some exciting announcements this year, and uh, hopefully, we're going to get some new Macs in the coming months. Uh, I keep I keep hearing rumors about a new MacBook Air that's like 15 inches, and I'm kind of uh-huh. salivating at that. Maybe that'll get me to replace my old M1. Uh, but again, uh, we'll we'll have you on the show again real soon, and uh, hope you have a great week. Thank you for having me again. Always good to be here.